Amen. Right on time. So I, uh, one day I was driving to see my brother. He, got, uh, he was in the hospital with this disease called pancreatitis, which, among other things, means that your pancreas is letting out digestive juices where they're not supposed to go. And so your body's digesting your own organs. And it can be really, really, really bad. And uh, I had only had, at that point, one other friend who had ever had that, and it was bad for him. It did not go well for him. And so I was, this was about three years after my other brother had died, and so I was kind of in a little bit of a, we'll say panic. And uh, so I just drove, right? I was like, I have to see him. i got to get eyes on him. So I just drove to the east, and this was when uh, I had just gotten a brand-new Garmin GPS you know, toy, and stuck it to my windshield, and I was like, I'm going to go the fastest possible route, and I hit it, and I was driving through Missouri, and it said, get off the highway here, and so I got off the highway here, and I was like, huh, I never knew about this road, and then, uh, you know, this two-lane highway turns into a two-lane country road, and I'm like, huh, strange I never knew about this road, but I'm watching the GPS, and I'm getting closer and closer and, uh, and I'm only 20 miles away. And I look and I see a yellow sign that says, Caution, road ends in water. And I look at the GPS and it says, Board the ferry. And I look and there's another sign that says, Ferry runs until 5 p.m. And it's 8 p.m. And I'm 20 miles from my destination, from where my brother is in the hospital. And it took me two hours to get there, because I had to reroute. And, you know, I was thinking, if I had known where I was going, this would have been a better trip. We don't want to see signs that say roads end in water. That's not what we're looking for. And, and I want you to be equipped for where the road is going, because... Um, as we're finishing up this series on uh, spiritual warfare, I'm, I'm very much aware that many of us have been deceived. We have been deceived by well-intentioned people who didn't know the truth. And so they basically have said that the life of the Christian is a life of one victory after another. And they've taken out the, all the parts about the continuing battles we have against evil that is very, very present in this life until God wipes it out at the final resurrection. And, and I don't want you to be deceived by the oncoming river across which there is no ferry. I want you to know what's coming. I want you to be prepared because, because I have good news for you. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. First Peter says, we have everything we need for life and godliness through his great and precious promises uh, in the Lord Jesus. We have everything we need for life and for godliness uh, through his great and precious prom- promises, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Get everything you need. One time I was uh, on a trip, sitting next to a, a, a man who was a little bit older than me, and he'd run a few marathons, and I was trying to make conversation with him. And so I shared with him what I thought was 
an interesting piece of information. I said, you know, actually, everybody, almost, pretty much all of us, have enough stored-up energy to run a marathon if we could just, you know, push through the pain. And he just started laughing. He said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you ever driven by a junkyard? What you just told me is basically saying that every car in that junkyard has a big enough fuel tank to drive across the country. Yeah, but they don't have engines. You can't just use the fuel if you don't have the developed engine to get there, to, to use it. And every one of you have everything you need for life and godliness, but you've got to learn how to use it, and you have to develop the skills and the wisdom to use it. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. How are you going to develop and, and, and use the skills to, to, to use the, the power, how are you going to develop the muscles and the skills to use the gifts that God has given you in this present evil age until the day when he brings us home? So let's, let's talk about that as we stand and read this glorious story from Revelation chapter 20. It's a description of, of life now and what's coming in the near future and how we get through it. Hear the word of the Lord from Revelation chapter 20. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, and their number is like the sand of the sea. And they will come out to deceive the nations. Oh, well, that's in there twice. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and, our, and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Thus far the reading of God's word. All men are like grass, and all of our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's Word. God's Word can st stands forever. You may be seated. Through the knowledge of Him who has called us, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And we need to grow in our skills and our ability and our wisdom to put those things to use. 
I want to prepare you. I'm not trying to prepare you for life. We are living in this period he described as the, the, the thousand years. It's not a it's not a specific number. Obviously, not even Jesus said he knows the day when he will return. But it's this this time between the first and the second resurrection, and and those who have experienced the first resurrection are in heaven, and they're they're reigning over us with Jesus, and and we're down here on the earth with. Uh, with evil, and the evil being, is being pushed back, and it's receding, but it's important to know that it's not going anywhere. It's going to continue. Um, and I know what you're saying. You're saying, but Ricky, you're Mr. Optimistic. You have almost euphoric optimism about the future. Every time people want to say something like, oh, in the good old days, this or that, you're always the one reminding us that things are way better than they used to be, and they are way better than they used to be. And if you don't believe that, then come, let's talk. But that does not mean that evil's going anywhere. It will persist. But if the church is going to grow from now until the end, how can evil remain? Well, come on, do you know the church? I mean, there's reasons why we're going to deal with evil, and one of them is simply this. It only takes a very small minority to exert a great amount of evil. How many people did it take to pull off the uh, attack, the 9-11 attack on the World Trade Center? 20? 40? How many people suffered? How many people's lives were changed forever? How many people did it take to, to bomb the, the building in Oklahoma City? Two? How many thousands of people were affected? Evil is going to remain. Minorities are able to exert a great amount of evil. And, and Satan's work continues primarily through deception, through uh, just the evils of, of worldliness. You know, we have, we, the, uh, Revelation describes this great harlot who's making the nations drunk on her, on her sins and on her, her wares, and it's the sexual immorality and the greed and, and the, the, what, what parades itself as, as joy is, is actually all leading to, to death and destruction, and it, and it blinds our eyes. And the, the false prophet who's always there tied to, to power, tied to violence, but is able to bring people under uh, his influence. So in the name of of what they see as a as religion almost, or not almost, as religion, they, they think it's they're, they're serving God by being violent. And honestly, what what Revelation twenty seems to be saying, and Second Thessalonians seems to be saying is that's actually going to get worse. And now, anybody who's studied the twentieth century at all would say it's kind of hard to imagine it's going to get worse. Right, I mean the millions upon millions of deaths in the name of nationalism and socialism and communism and fascism. Like, how can that get worse? And maybe you know, if we look back and Jesus comes back tomorrow, I'll go, no, that was it. Didn't you see it? I'll be like, great, but probably not. There's probably at least one more bigger one out there. Evil is going to continue, and we need to not be deceived by it. Evil is going to continue outside the church, pressing in on it. And evil is going to continue 
within and sometimes in the name of the church. And that's a sad thing that we have to embrace and we have to acknowledge. Uh, did anybody watch the coronation? I watched highlights of the coronation. Well, that's kind of cool, wasn't it? We'd never seen that in our lifetime. It was cool, you know, they put the screen up and did all the anointing and had the little kid read, uh, you know, we welcome you in the name of Christ. And King Charles says, you know, and in Christ's example, I've come not to be served but to serve. And like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And it was cool, this, but it was also this, I don't know what's the word, conflagration between worldly power and church power and all this, you know, the, the beauty and the pomp and the altar there. And the, I remember the first, I only walked into Westminster once, and, but seeing the words up on the altar, the, the nations of this world become the nations of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And it's, it's glorious and it's beautiful, and I, I got chills when I saw it. But to see that combined with the earthly king of England and, and to look back over history of, of hundreds of years of colonialism and, and slavery and, and the wars that were fought in India and China and, and, and the evil things that were done in the name of this empire. Like, how would you feel if, you, if someone told you, no, this is, this is the kingdom of Christ? Evil done in the name of the church. Evil done by people in the church who are well-meaning but just deceived. I mean, it was a big problem in my life. It was something I had to really deal with. It gave me a great deal of, of dissonance when I was uh, in my 20s and, and I was brought up in this culture that just revered, you know, Confederate generals who loved the Lord and and I would read their journals and their prayers and then take a step back and go, but they were fighting to defend evil. Deception. We're all, we're all susceptible to it. And it's, it's oftentimes in the church. And, and some of you have been hit by different kinds of evil within the church. And, and your hearts are still bearing scars from, from being in the church and 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 being lied to, sometimes by well-intentioned people, other times by just selfish, narcissistic people. People in the church doing damage, doing harm. And we, we acknowledge that. It's one of the reasons the Lord, one of the reasons the Lord called me to Tulsa. I wanted to come here because I feel like one of the special, I don't know what you call it, distinctives of my ministry is the ability to empathize and, and apply the gospel to people who've been hurt by the church. And there's a lot of people in this town who have. And we have to acknowledge that, that, that Satan isn't going anywhere, that he is, he is here and he is within the church oftentimes. Um, but the good news is that the true church will prevail. The true church will Prevail. The true church is going to use all of Satan's tools 
against him and will prevail. For those of you who, who shudder at the, the thought of the church, it's, it's a sign of the power. It should be a, it should be a, a symbol of the, the power of the, the gospel, the, the uh, power of the truth, true gospel in Christ, that you're still here. You're still here. Because the gospel's true. Because Jesus is real. I mean, there are Christians in China and in India despite the evils done by the British Empire, because the gospel's true. And it's real, and it can't be hidden even by Satan's lies. There are true Christians among the African Americans in America and throughout the South, because the gospel is true. Despite the the evils of slavery, nothing Satan can do can can overpower the the work of the gospel. And it's, it's fascinating, it's fun to just sit around and tell the stories and remind each other. I was talking to my kids yesterday, and we were talking about, um, I don't know, some games, computers. And uh, I made the comment, I said, you know what's hilarious to me is that the only reason the internet is what it is today is because of pornography. I mean, for the first 10 years that we had an internet, the only way to, that anybody made money off of it was through porn, and they made enough money to build what we now call the World Wide Web. And through that World Wide Web, the gospel is now going to every nation in the world. God using what Satan intended for evil. The only way the, uh, the Internet got built in Africa was because the amount of money people were making with the Nigerian scam, frankly. And now the gospel is going to every nation in, India, uh, in Africa. God using what Satan intended for evil, for his glory and for his good. And, and that's, that's what God does. And he is at work, and, and, and the church is, is prevailing, and it's growing, and it's living, and it's living in places where it's been oppressed and where they've tried to shut it out, like, like China and like India. The church is growing, and it's, it's breathing, and it's living, and it's growing in America. To, uh, to quote Mark Twain, the r- reports of the church's demise have been greatly exaggerated. You know? I mean, come on. What generation in the last 15 years has been more maligned than millennials? Millennials, right? They're awful. They're the worst people ever. Selfish brats, godless pagans. You know what the uh, last Barna poll report shows? Millennials are going to church right now at a rate of 39%. By far, the most churched generation in America is millennials. The smallest church, the least churched uh, generation right now is boomers, which is hilarious to me. Um, I'm neither one. I'm Generation X. Millennials, I got beaten up like y'all did. I don't feel that bad for you. But the gospel, it's still growing, right? People over and over again were telling me how uh, COVID's going to be the end of the church. I mean, everybody just left church. They're not going to come back. I heard that a lot. We lost 40% of our church during COVID, and we're, the Lord has grown us again, regrown us bigger than we've ever been, and, and, and stronger than we've ever been. And, and I believe the church in America is actually, I almost hate to say this because I don't want anybody to notice it, but it's undergoing a revival. It really is. And you have to know where to look to see it, but it's powerful. The New York Times, right? I mean, that's a bastion of Christianity. The New York Times has four overtly Christian writers. 
Now, there's only one or two things. Either they're trying this sneaky, subversive way of influencing American culture, or they're greedy and smart enough to figure out there's a lot of Christians out there who want to read these people. The New York Times. That's amazing. The most popular comedian in, in the country right now, Nate Bargatze, filled up Nashville's arena. The biggest crowd that's ever assembled in the Nashville arena is coming to BOK Center in September, and the, price, uh, the ticket prices are just absolutely ridiculous. Overt Christian. I mean, he has a podcast every week where he talks about what he learned in church that day. It's a, there's a small awakening going on, the thing that we've been praying for. The church is not going to perish. And as the church grows, evil is going to get madder and madder, and, 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 and the two are going to continue to clash. But you have what you need for it. You're prepared for it. And that's what I want to talk to you. I want to tell you, tell you about your contributions, your contributions in this eternal uh, war, which take place very small, very hand-to-hand combat in your life. We have contributions to make, and we are part of this, this surge, this going forward of, of true Christianity. And the first thing we do is we praise. Our praise matters. I, uh, I just love the, the call to worship I had, uh, Josh Reed. It's, it's part of the, this little story in Revelation. Revelation tells the entire the story of all of history like five different times, I think. Maybe some would say seven, because seven's a good number, whatever. But um, at, least, at least five times. And one of them is Revelation 12, 13, and 14. And Revelation 12 is the battle between Satan and Eve and his attempt to try to keep Jesus from being born. He couldn't be born, and so he's mad, and he gets out, and he stands on the edge of the sea, and he calls forth in chapter 13 the beast and the prostitute and the prophet, and he's deceiving nations, and he's waging war against God's people. And, he, and then um, in Revelation 13, 14, we have the lamb and his fair army on the mountain, and he's just kind of ready for, like, the war, right? It's like this... This, you know, you can hear the, let's get ready to rumble in this corner. The, the dragon and his beast and his prophet and his prostitute. And in this corner, the lamb and his army. And they sing. Like you're ready for a fight. And they sing. I, uh, some of you know, story I've told a lot of times of um, just feeling pretty worn out uh, on Mondays, and I was praying to the Lord about it, and kind of had this vision of myself um, coming off the football field at the end of the game, and I tried as hard as I could, but we lost, and, and just seeing myself just, just draped over my coach's shoulder saying, I'm sorry, did my best. And God gave me this vision of of him picking my head up and going, Ricky, you're in the band. I won the game. You don't think I'm going to let you be responsible for something as important as winning the game? I won the game. I've defeated them. They're defeated. Your job is to play Boomer sooner and let everybody know that they've been defeated. You're just in the band. Play the fight song. Play Rocky Top. Play anything but Dixie. That's not ones that not allowed. But play anything else. You're, you're in the band. 
play the song. And the thing is, the band matters. They really do. They, they, they whip up your team, and they, they make the other team just annoyed, and they hate the sounds, and, and they feel defeated. The band actually matters. When we praise the Lord in the midst of, of great suffering, we, we, we're beating back evil. Satan hates it, and he flees from us. And, you know, Job chapter 1, after his children and his riches and his fields and everything he has has been taken away from him, he, he bows down into the ashes and he worships God. And Satan hates it. When, when the church in Nashville at, at uh, Covenant Prayers held Haley's funeral, Haley Scruggs' funeral on Saturday after she was killed there on Monday, when the, when the elders were gathering around the, the pools of blood and holding hands and praying and asking Jesus, the Jesus they still loved and trusted, to, to receive these wounds into his wounds, it mattered. And Satan was being pushed back. The first thing we do is we praise, especially in the, in the light of evil. We praise, and it pushes Satan back, and, and we pray. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy, king, thy kingdom come on earth. He's, praying, he's telling us to pray to push back darkness and to God to bring his light. And we know the darkness hates the light, but it can't overcome it. And we pray, and we learn how to pray, and we learn how to worship. That's why it's important for you to learn those songs and, and teach them to your children so that when the darkness comes, you sing. You have light. And, and we pray. And we pray for God's kingdom in general and in specific. I, I I encourage you, pray the Lord's Prayer every day. You may think, ah, oh, it's so rote and whatever. Jesus said to. You know, it's so funny. People are like, I don't know how to pray. Jesus said, pray these words. If nothing else, pray those words. I mean, I think when he said pray those words, he meant pray those words. I don't think they're like a metaphor or an example. <laughs> pray those words. And then pray specifically if you want to. And I encourage you to pray specifically. God loves to answer specific prayers just because kind of lets them show off. And he loves you. And, you know, one of the most convicting questions I've ever been asked is if God answered every prayer, every prayer exactly how you prayed it. If he said, hey, this is your prayer list this week. I've been keeping it. I'm going to give you Everything, everything you wrote on this list, you're getting it. Would anybody else's life be better? Would anybody else be in heaven outside of your family? How, would the world be changed by that prayer list? Thy kingdom come. Learn how to use your prayers as a way of pushing back darkness. Learn how to to protect yourself. Learn how to protect yourself from lies. First, Second Corinthians says, Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not the, of flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do you know how to do that? There, there, are, there are evil thoughts, there are sinful thoughts, there are temptations, uh, temptations that we all deal with. They come up in our minds all the time. They're different, but, but all of us share in the fact that we all have them. What, what are they? Have you taken those to Scripture to specifically look for ways to pray against them? James says, resist Satan and he'll flee from you. How did Jesus resist Satan? By claiming the promises of God. By trusting him. What, what are the temptations that, that Satan brings to your mind? I mean, for me, it was always money. That's why Bianca made me memorize Right? People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires. Godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. I am your inheritance and your great reward. No good thing does he withhold from those who love him. How, have you taken your specific temptations, your anxieties, don't... Don't just have anxieties and don't beat yourself up for being anxious, but remind yourself, cast all of your anxieties upon him for he cares for you. Don't be anxious for your life, for your, your father who provides for the birds and for the flowers. He, he knows you need these things. And he will give them to you. But what is your struggle? The, the promises are there. You have everything you need. Protect yourself from those, those thoughts, those, those fears, those, those weapons of Satan to defend yourself. We, we praise the Lord and we pray to Him and we protect our minds and ultimately we proclaim the gospel in everything we do. Especially when we are in the midst of suffering. It's, it's so funny how I used to think that I had to always be happy because if I wasn't always happy then, you know, nobody would want to trust Jesus, right? Because I, they, if they knew I trusted Jesus and I was sad, well, obviously he doesn't work. And, and when I, I mean, I was like 19 when I thought that, so give me a break. But a lot of people still think that. It couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, nobody is getting converted by Barney. Nobody wants to be like Barney. When they see you at peace in the midst of suffering, maintaining your faith in the funeral home, in the graveyard, they know that you have something they don't. They know you have something they, they don't. And you, you cause them to want to look to God and wonder what it is. I, mean, I can't, you know, draw the, the illustration any more starkly than the story I told you last week the police chief in Nashville. What have you learned from this, this terrorist attack? What have you learned from this attack? It has strengthened my faith in God. To see the response of these believers has strengthened my faith in God. Proclaim the gospel. Give a reason for the faith that is within you. You've got everything you need. You've got everything you need. Paul tells us, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, 
to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You've got everything you need. There's a golf tournament going on right now, and it's, it's at Cedar Ridge Golf Course, which is in my neighborhood. So me and my kids all walk to it. And um, right before I left yesterday, I looked in the garage where I have two very large golf umbrellas. And I thought to myself, those might come in handy. And then I walked off without them. And especially as, as my son came home, because he got sent home when it started pouring down rain. And he literally came home. It could not have been wetter if he'd been thrown in the bathtub. I mean, he's just, I just thought, man, that would have been handy. Too bad we didn't take it. You've got everything you need for life and godliness. Learn how to put it to use. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for how he's defeated uh, the evil that is around us and most importantly, maybe, the evil that is within us. Would you come and teach us how to use our faith? Teach us to praise you in the midst of darkness. Teach us to pray with specificity would your holy spirit teach us show us where to pray and how would you teach us how to protect our minds take evil thoughts captive not allow deceit any place to to grow within our minds would you would you show us would you show us what it means to proclaim your gospel in everything that we do whether it means using words or simply helping and loving or listening. We pray that you would be at work through us. In Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray.